Welcome to Communion House Podcast with Pastor Moses Anderson, a ministry raised by God for the rebirth of the early church, with a strong commitment to seeing others rise and shine as in those days. Get ready for this timely teaching and encouraging word. I'm excited to be here because the battle is getting fiercer and fiercer and the enemy has resorted into using tactics of familiar spirits wherein people will come to you as angels of light whereas they have come with guile to smear you and disqualify you before your father but let me tell you something the word of the Lord has come forth today and it's a word that reminds us person after person who has come in here today Manuelita comes and talks about the door that is open. My wife came and talks about the renewing of your mind. Brother Lawrence came and spoke about what? He spoke, spoke about transformation. What God does for you is great. But what happens when that gets taken from you? Or sometimes when you overlook that which God has done for you. But that which God has done to you is what lasts forever, which is it transforms you into another man. You become a new creation. Do you know that quite often the things that God has done for us are only accessible when we come to recognize what God has done to us? You see, all of what God has done for you is already settled and situated in Christ Jesus. But you have to be an heir of salvation together with him to access those things. If a man wills his inheritance to you as a child of his... You are only able to claim that inheritance when you claim your identity as the child of that person. When Brother Lawrence said it, I didn't think that most of us got it and I want to help one more person get it. We need to be thankful for what God has done to us by transforming us. Because if we only focus on what he has done for us, the things that he has given to us, quite often we will be selling ourselves short. Let me give you a more practical example. You see, What God does for a man is God gives a man a woman. That is something that God does for him. He gives to you a help that is meet, which means a help that is equal to, that is able to oppose you right and keep you solid. That is something that he has done for you. But in the process of doing that for you, what does that do to you? It allows for you to become a new creation. For it says, and the two shall become one. It is that oneness in agreement that gives you the authority to move mountains. And so you see, you can just think about the fact that, oh, he's given me a wife. Well, thank you, Jesus. But then if you don't allow yourself to come into the recognition and understanding of what he has done to you in the process, you don't even get the benefit of that wife because you don't see yourself as one with her. You still see yourself as that little boy who can run around and do what you want. Spend all your money. Spend all your time. Spend all your passion and dream your dreams alone. We need to recognize the things that God has done to us because it is when you recognize what he has done to you, that is when you begin to walk in the fullness of your kingdom identity. Today, I want to share with us a revelation, an insight from the book of 1 Kings chapter 13. You know, I like the number 13. The word says it's the number of ill luck, but we know that the world system under Satan is a system of lies. So when they say down, it actually means up. 
according to the book of Daniel the Bible says that when they say there's a casting down you say there's a lifting up in Daniel 11 so when they say it is the number of being unfortunate of ill luck you recognize that there is something special about that number number 13 record represents some of the biggest privileges that this world has ever known it is the number of the salvation of those who were already called a nobody or people that were already condemned to be far from god forever the gentiles the number 13 represents the gentiles the salvation of the gentiles because it is the extra bull that the nation of israel has sacrificed for thousands of years getting ready to accept the gentile nation as the 13th tribe and that is the reason why god sent them the 13th apostle to minister to the gentiles when the 12 were going out jesus said to them he says don't talk to anybody that is a gentile speak only to the jews because i am sending you only to the jews even when he sent the 70 he said to the 70 speak only to the jews because god was getting himself ready to meet with the gentiles through the ministry of the 13th apostle and so when you see the number 13 i mean when i see it i rejoice especially when i had all my children on the 13th i had to rejoice i had to make sure that that number makes me happy you see what i mean so what does it say here first kings chapter 13 he says behold a man of god and this is one man of god that was never named in the bible i used to feel bad for him like man seriously why was this guy not named but then after a while i started to feel good for myself because i'm like you know what if this man of God was not named and we saw the exploit that God did in his life, then it doesn't have to be about being known or being famous. It is all about being obedient. And it says, Behold, a man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord. Let us stop there for a minute and think about all of what has just been said. You know, because quite often we read the Bible like a storybook. We, we want to make sense of it, first of all, before we accept it. Whereas Jesus says, that not a jot or a tittle of God's word is invalid. He says you cannot even remove a jot nor a tittle. You can't. Everything that is in the word of God, every single word is powerful. You know, I've told you the story time and time again, but I'm going to tell you for the sake of Brother Stephen, because he wasn't here the first time I told the story. I'll tell it again. I always have somebody new in the room. If I, Joey is here for the first time today, Joey, good to see you. You see, praise God. I know that y'all look at them and they look like new people. No, they've, they've always been with us online for a long time now. They've been online. I know Brianna's been here maybe once or twice. Um, but it's good to have you here in person. Oh, yeah. And it's good to have Anne welcome you because Anne was like you. She watched online for a long time. And then when she heard that Jesus was almost coming, she started coming in person. You know? Yeah, there are some people like that. They have to wait until they're like, mm, Jesus is almost here. I have to go in. I have and it's okay and nothing wrong with that as long as she come in one way or the other just don't come in through the window come in through the door no no i tell that to people all the time the people who try to watch our services on microsoft windows and they say that it's not working <laughs> i'm like get an iphone get a mac stop using that windows jesus forbid it he for he says you shall not come in through the window okay so you not now you know what to do all those Windows computers, including yours upstairs, Joshua. Yeah, because charity begins at home. I have to rebuke the one in my household. There's a Windows computer just right across the room from me. And when he turns it on, I start to speak in tongues, rebuking every spirit that wants to come in through the window. Now, what he says here, he says, there is a man of God who went from Judah to Bethel. Bethel holds the key to victory. Bethel holds the key to revelation. 
a lot of what we are seeking in fact pretty much everything that we need the stargate of heaven for our times is Bethel the stargate of heaven used to be Eden but the Bible says the Lord took hidden from the earth and then he took it back to heaven and men were looking for that stargate people were performing all kinds of rituals sacrificing animals to see if they can open the stargate again you know the heavens are very far above the earth even though you think you can see it you think you can see the stars but they're so far away that your eyes cannot see the stars the only reason why it appears as though you see them is because of the shape of the firmament that projects the reflection of light to where your little eyes can see them I always tell people, you think you can see the stars directly without God giving you a little help? It's impossible. You stand on I-85 and the farthest you can see is about 3.3 miles. Because the human eye is limited, there is a principle in physics that we call parallax. And so when you look, what do you see? You see the road that you're standing on. These roads are parallel, right? But then as you keep looking after a while, they appear to meet somewhere. And once they appear to meet, you cannot see beyond that point. It is the reason why you cannot see beyond the horizon. And so you keep moving closer, that point keeps getting distant from you, but it's always the same distance. And so if you cannot see beyond three miles or so in front of you, how can you see the stars that are several thousands of miles, even if they're just hundreds of miles, you can't see them. Anything that is beyond five miles, you cannot see it with your eyes. Have you ever wondered why you see the stars when you look up? Do you know that there are certain times that when you look up, you cannot see the aeroplane, but you can hear it? Because it's over 20,000 I mean, feet above the ground, but you know there is something up there, but you can't see it. So how come you can see what is even above the aeroplane? Because God designed that man should always look up. You see, God says, I will put my signs in the heavens in the firmament of the heavens the day that he made the sun the moon and the stars he says i have set them to rule the day and to rule the night and to also be for what for signs and wonders and so because god wants you for signs and seasons sorry you are the wonder they are the signs and the seasons because god does not want you to miss your sign he doesn't want you to miss your season he created a phenomenal that is a spiritual phenomenon when you look at the stars of the heavens what you're seeing is not a physical situation what you're seeing is a spiritual phenomenon because in the realm of the physical, it is impossible for you to see something that far away from you. So don't let's get it twisted. The world tells us lies that the stars, that the closest star is 4 million light years away. And you can still see it. I'm like, wow, but I can't see Lawrenceville from here. <laughs> I can climb onto the top of Everest and I cannot see Marietta. You see what I mean? We're limited. In fact, one of the, uh, the accounts that the Jews have kept mostly to themselves that God gave me privilege to recently is, is the journals of Adam. And they record that their father Adam, one of his first grief, one of the grief, one of the, the, the things that grieved him the most when he was cast out of the Garden of Eden was that he wept before the Lord and he says, once upon a time I could look up and see the angels around your throne. He says, but now I look up and I do not see you see, because unless we are walking with God and the purity of his ways, we cannot see beyond the limitations of our humankind. But I say all of that to let you know that men have always wanted a way to access the heavens, particularly the third heavens where the throne of God is. And so they do all kinds of things. 
And the ones who write themselves off and says, well, God is too holy, God is too pure. He's too far away, we cannot access him. We will perform rituals to at least access the angels and the princes of the air. Perhaps they can help us. And that is the, the source and the origin of idolatry. Wherein people started to make gods for themselves. Something to give them some form of pacification. Because they have written off the possibility of getting to God. And that was the life at the time of Jacob. And Jacob, he had sought the face of God. Particularly for the sin of his mother. Knowing fully well that by deception they have contracted the blessing that God intended for him in the first place. But he didn't do it the way he thought was right before the Lord. And guess what? He came to a place and he had a vision. And in the vision that he had, he said he saw a ladder that was set up, touching the ground whose top was into the heavens. And he saw the end of the ladder and he saw that it was in the heavens. And immediately he knew that a gate had been opened. He used the word gate while he was describing what had happened to him. He says it was like it was reaching into the gates of heaven. I appreciate that, Chris. Thank you. You see, the beauty of it, Praise God. Is that he recognizes that I cannot see the heavens. I've always been looking up. But I can't see beyond what God projects for me to see. So for this to be in the heavens. It must have been through a gate. And that portal. When it was opened. He called the name of the place Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. But how did he get to the house of God? The secret. Many of us are seeking the heart of God. Many of us are seeking deliverance. And by the way, I announce over you today, Communion House, that we have come to a season of deliverance. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, when the word of the Lord came to me, I think the only person that I shared it with, I hadn't even totally given my wife the details, was Alan. And I said, I was having a conversation with my brother, and we were interrupted by the Holy Spirit as we fellowshiped. And he said to us, it is time for the church to walk in deliverance. You look at the ministry of Jesus, a lot of what Jesus did, was deliverance even when he when some people came to him who had infirmities that with that was thought by many to be physical conditions the bible says he rebuked the unclean spirit and the woman who was bent over was able to stand straight again but guess what the church of the lord jesus christ today we want the healing but we do not want the dealing with demons you're not going to get the healing if you don't do the dealing you have to deal with the demons when he sent them out, the first time Jesus sent them out in Matthew chapter 10, the Bible says he sent the 12 out two by two. And the first power that he gave to them was what? The power to cast out devils. When he sent out the 70, he said to them, I have given you the power to cast out devils. When they came back, what was their testimony? Their testimony was this. They said, we did go, as you said, to preach in your name and the demons obeyed us. But because of the fact that Satan knows that if we arrest his demons, his operation on the earth is going to be stifled, he convinced the church that all we need is just to continue to preach the gospel of grace without teaching the strategy and the warfare for dealing with the opposition, which are demons and fallen angels. So we're about to step into that again. And even though it hadn't been publicly announced up until now, the how meeting of yesterday, deliverances took place. Nicole, praise God. Oh yeah, as soon as I said deliverances took place, Nicole raised her hand because deliverances took place in this place. 
And so let me tell you something, a lot of what you have been struggling with, a lot of the addiction you have been struggling with, a lot of that which has been keeping you from doing the will of God, it is not because you are not making the effort. It's because there are powers that have assigned and associated themselves with you waiting for your brothers and sisters to rebuke them and they haven't rebuked them so you remain plagued. You know, because sometimes you need another to deliver you. And that is the reason why Jesus instituted the ministry or introduced, as it were, the ministry of the Good Samaritan. Because every now and again, a good soldier falls, but another needs to deliver him from the oppression of the demons that oppress him and try to pin him to the ground. The devil cannot pull you down, but when you fall, the devil wants to keep you down. And he does that through the ministry of his angels. So what do you do? You deliver them. And that is where we're coming to. We're coming to that place that by the grace of God, that we're no longer making excuses for not seeing the grace of God fully manifesting in our lives. We're excusing the demons out of the room. Because if Jesus stresses it, when he was raised from the dead, let me tell you something. I've heard this doctrine before, and let me shut it down right here. People were like, some people have said, and I'm sure some of you have heard it, that there are, we don't have to deal with demons again, simply because when Jesus went to the cross and he died, where did he go? The Bible says he went deep down into hell and having spoiled all principalities and powers, he made an open show of them, triumphing over them in it. And so people say Jesus already destroyed them. But I'm like, which Bible are you reading? Because the Bible did not say he destroyed them. The Bible said he spoiled them. To spoil someone in that sense means to take what they have, to take their spoil. So he took the power and the authority that they had. And when he came resurrected, he gave it to us. He says, I've given you now the keys to heaven and to hell, to life and to death. Now you have the authority. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And after he gave them that authority, what was the first thing he said to them? He says, now go and cast out devils. So all those people that say, well, Jesus already dealt with them. I don't have to deal with them. How come the apostles had to deal with them in the book of Acts? When the familiar spirit came prophesying, a woman came and she was prophesying and she seemed to have been a seer. In fact, many have accepted that woman as a seer because she was saying things that they otherwise wouldn't have known. And, they, and, and the people were falling for it until the apostles looked through the eye of the spirit and they were like, mm, we know this spirit. This is not of God. And we're shutting it down. Any prophecy that does not bring you peace is not of God. Any prophecy that does not bring you comfort is not of God. Even if it brings you conviction, when the Lord brings you conviction as is righteous, he brings you conviction that sets you at liberty. Because if the word of God does not bring me peace, I am doomed because where else can I find peace? The Bible says that the Lord has given them his word. And what does his word do? Trouble them? No, he says his word heals them freely. And the word healed them. And so let us not get carried away by endless talks. Let's not get carried away by visions that lead to nowhere but condemnation. Let us pay attention to the fruits that are being born by the words that have been spoken. It is time for deliverance. And we're not going to let anybody rob us of that deliverance. How do you get to Bethel is the question. The man of God who remains nameless. The Bible says he went from Judah to Bethel. What is Judah? Judah means praise or praising the Lord. When you praise God, his presence comes. The Bible says the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Many of us, the heavens have been shut over us because we have not been praising God. The heavens remain closed to us because we have not learned how to open up Bethel. 
how to open up the stargate, how to open up the portal. You have to learn how to praise God. Praising God is simple. It means magnifying God above yourself. Magnifying God above your situation. When you praise God, you admit that you are little and that he is big. You admit that you are weak and he is strong. You don't go to God boasting of your strength. Telling God how well you have resisted temptation. Boasting to God of how well you have given. You go to God letting him know that in your weaknesses, his strength is made perfect. Because when you magnify the Lord and you give him praise, the portals are open to you. Many of us go to God and we describe the magnitude of our problems. And God is like, okay. If that's where you're at still, keep searching. Because the presence of God does not come out of desperation. You see, God doesn't get desperate to save you. He's not going to say, oh, well, well, this my son keeps missing the mark. Okay, now I'm going to. No, the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Whoever must come to him must first of all believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The Jews, or the Hebrews always use the concept of the rewarder to show who is less and who is greater. Because the lesser does not reward the greater. It is the greater that rewards the lesser. And that is the reason why when you believe that he is the rewarder, you're magnifying him and you're giving him praise. The Bible says, and I say it yet again, God inhabits the praises of his people. And that was how the man of God was able to get to Bethel. The Bible says by Judah, he went to Bethel. From Judah, he went to Bethel by the word of the Lord. I want to encourage you. Let us also... In fact, I think, I think I'm going to use Revelations chapter 3 verse 8. Instead of continuing this first Kings 13. Revelations 3 verse 8 that Manuel I read earlier on. Helps us to actually really break it down. It talks about how you can keep the heavens open above you. What does it say? Let's read it again. The Lord God revealed to John who Jesus really is. And that is why it's called the revelation of Jesus Christ that the Father gave him to share with John. He says in verse 8, he says, I know your works. So don't you think that the Lord does not know? The Lord knows. Okay? So there's no need for you to be reminding the Lord what he already knows. The Lord says, I know your works. I see. He says, see, I have set before you an open door. That no one can shut. He says because you have a little strength. Yet you have kept my word. And have not denied my name. When I was about the age of 12. My school, sander, my school sandals were broken. Or maybe I broke them because I wanted new ones. Because sometimes that also happened. And my mom, you know, she can see through me. Oh yeah, especially when I was a kid. But now she can't see through me like that anymore. And so I was sent to the cobbler to fix my shoes. So when I got to the man, I said to him, I said, I've been inviting you to church, sir, but you keep giving me excuses. I said, today, you must tell me the reason why you don't come to church. And you know what the man said to me? He said, look, you can go to church because you are little. How much sin have you committed? He says, church is for people like you who are still pure. He said, but for someone like me, he said, it's very disrespectful knowing the things that I have done to now go and stand before God to remind me of how crooked I am. 
That was what he said. He says, no, it's not for people like me. He said, I have done way too many things. He said, I find it a disrespect to now go before God and say, yes, I have come to you with all the things that I have done. I spent the rest of that evening until his shop closed trying to convince him that church was meant for people like him who needed to come and find help and sanctification from their sins. What the word of God is letting us know here is that rather than keep ourselves shut out of the mercy and the grace of God, God already has an open door over the people who can admit that they are weak. He says, because you are weak, I have set before you an open door. And what that means is that even though you are weak, you are not keeping yourself away from my presence. He says, you do not deny my name. The guy denied the name of God. What is the name of God? The presence of God. Jesus says, wherever two or three of you are gathered in my name, I will be there because I am in my name. So when you gather unto my name, you have gathered unto my presence. But this person denied his name because of his weakness. And in fact, it is your weakness that gives you access to his name. If you were not weak in how you handle your resources, then you will never be broke. And when you are not broke, you will not need the provider. And that is what his name is, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. If, if you never get weak and your body is always strong, you will never need the healer. Can you think about any name that we have for God that does not spell the salvation of God? That does not describe to us our need for a savior. When Jesus was to be born, the angel of the Lord appeared to Mary. He said, and they shall call his name Jesus, which means Yeshua, which means God, our salvation. The names of God are there to constantly remind us of the need for a Savior. And every time you recognize the need for a Savior and you do not deny his name, you do not deny the manifestation of his strength and your weakness, guess what? The door is kept open for you all the time. Now let us marry the two of them together. The prophecy or, the, or what happened in, in 1 Kings chapter 13, the reason why God raised that man of God is because he wants to introduce a king to Israel. And the name of the king is King Josiah, which means the Lord heals. Or the one that is healed by God. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is currently going through the great apostasy. Many are falling away from the faith. Which is quite concerning, but then at the same time it is encouraging. Because what follows the apostasy? When the apostles prophesied about the apostasy, they said in the last days, many will fall away from the faith. And thereafter, there will be a revival in the land. And so we know that the apostasy comes before the revival. We know that the king that rules before Josiah was Jerobo Jeroboam. And Jeroboam was indicative of the falling away because his name means the ones that contends. And the ones who are falling away today, they are contending with God. They do not want to accept the ways of God. And they fall away. And God is raising the one that will bring healing to the land. And the way he does that is by restoring the power of his name and his presence. And so if we will be the ones that God will use, two things have to happen. First of all, you have to recognize your need for a savior. Your confidence cannot be in your works. Your confidence cannot be in your ability. Your confidence cannot be in someone else's ability. Your confidence can only be in the Lord. And when your confidence is in the Lord, what do you do? You magnify his name. And when you magnify his name, he keeps the door open. That is the first thing that needs to happen. And the second thing that needs to happen is very simple. You yourself have to become the door. 
you have to become the door. What did Jesus say? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, I am the door. The apostle says, we are of the way, but you have to become the way. They said, you have to become the living epistle to be seen and to be read of all men that they may know where to find the foot of the cross. So if you are to be like Christ, you also have to be the door. Let me tell you something. If you want to remain standing in this life against every opposition and oppression of the enemy, be the door to some other people's happiness. Be the door to their forgiveness. Be the door to their elevation. Be open always to receive them. Be open always to intercede for them. Be open always to contend against the enemy on their behalf. If you remain the door that leads to someone else's joy, guess what? You will remain open. And for you to remain open is you have to remain standing. And so you need to realize it and not just realize it so that you can enjoy the benefit of the power of the name of God. Even you have to be transformed and become. I shared Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 11 with the men yesterday. It might be with another group because I've had multiple meetings between now and then. And so whichever group it was, I'm going to share it again here today. Jeremiah 17 11 says, as a partridge that broods but does not hatch, so is he who gets riches, not by right. It will leave him in the midst of his days and his end will be as a fool. I shared this and when I shared it yesterday, one of the things that I focused on was this. Anytime that we have a focus on how we can get rich, we get farther away from God. And that is the reason why he becomes as a fool because the fool is the one who denies God. Who denies the name of God. And so every time your focus is on how you're going to get rich, how you're going to get commended for what you do, how you're going to remain important in the lives of someone, someone else, how someone else is always going to see you as important and say, oh, without you, we can't do this. Oh, without you, we can't make it. If that is your focus on how you're always going to have riches and commendations and have things added onto you, you will stray from God. But if your focus remains how someone else is going to access the grace of God because of your existence, guess what's going to happen? The Lord will lift you up. I'm going to close out today by saying this, folks, we have come to such a time wherein God is looking for those who will stand in the gap. Those who will say, you know what, God, I recognize that of myself, I can do nothing. But because you are my strength, I will stand, but not just for myself, but I will stand for other people. If we are not recklessly, absolutely, totally, dangerously committed to one another, we will not make it. We are an army and we have to be good Samaritans. I was sharing with Alan yesterday. I said, you know that many of us are so focused on being priests and being Levites, being focused on the gift and being focused on the calling that we have failed to heal the wounded. When the man who was wounded by armed robbers, who was attacked by Satan, was, was there in the pool of his own blood. The Bible says the priest came and he looked at him, wanted to help, but remembered his priestly assignment. And he says, you know what? My focus is on my calling. I have to go. And he left the man bleeding. The Levite came and the Levite was like, I would love to help. You see, but I have received this gift. And that gift is what is most important to me. And so I'm sorry, I cannot touch you because what if I'm trying to attend to you and you die in my hands, then I get polluted. Because as a Levite, you must not touch the one that is dead. The moment you touch the dead, then you have to be you have to be expelled from the courts and be outside the courts for a long time before you're purified and then come back. But guess why those people were thinking like that? Because they were thinking only about themselves. 
Many people are thinking about their reputation in the kingdom, their ministry reputation. They're thinking only about themselves. What about the wounded man that has been attacked by Satan? Who's going to look after him? But God sends the most unusual help. Like he promised us in Isaiah 28. In Isaiah 28, the Lord says, he says, because of the fact that I see the way people are operating. He says, I will come out and bring my unusual help. God says, I will bring help that you have never seen before. Unusual help. And where did the help come from? The Samaritans. You know, the Samaritans have always been despised as being snitches. <laughs> They've always been despised as being the ones who betrayed the rest of the crew. Because if you don't know the history of Samaritans, Samaritans were originally part of the nation of Israel. And when they were being taken captive, while other people were getting arrested, they escaped. And so the people were like, well, you didn't suffer with us. So we don't want to have anything to do with you. But the most unlikely person to help came to the rescue of the wounded. And the Bible says he was not just a Samaritan, but he was a good Samaritan. And he came and ministered to the man. He helped and he carried the man to where he can get more help. Ladies and gentlemen, regardless of where you have been and what you are going through, how you feel in your body your focus should always be on how to be that door of help for somebody else now someone says but the bible says bear your burden and then bear the burdens of others too yes i understand but for how long will you bear only your burdens many of us have failed to strike that balance you don't give to somebody else because you don't ever think that you have enough the people who don't think they have enough never have enough because the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What is faith? The just shall live by faith. And what is faith? Ryan, faith is calling the things that are as though they're not so that they can be. And so when I am not with enough money for myself, I still give to somebody because that is faith. Saying that I am one who has enough to give. The Bishop David Oyedepo, what did he say? He says the key to always having your needs met is for you to become the one who meets the needs of others. You want... My wife was like, have you been reading my book? Yes, I have. You pay for it, I read it. <laughs> Let me tell you something. It is very simple. We're getting ready to be elevated as a church. We're getting ready to be elevated as a group. But one of the ways by which the Lord is testing our hearts is giving us an opportunity to choose the priesthood, the service, or the love. Many people will choose their service to God directly as a priest ministering to God. Many people will choose their office as a Levite, always meant to be consecrated. I don't want nothing to touch me. Don't bring your bad news here. I don't want to hear it. You know, they just want to look after themselves. But God is looking for the good, good Samaritans. Because the good Samaritans are the ones who will give God thanks for their own situation and make sure that they can see the other person also giving thanks to God. You see, I'm going to leave us with this thought. And we're going to break bread with this actually. Matthew chapter 11. We're going to break bread with this. And hopefully this helps us to tie everything together. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 11 verse 7. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaking by the wind? But what did you really go to see? A man clothed in soft garment? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? 
Yes, I say to you, a more than a prophet. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Jesus goes on to say that of all children, of all people born in this world, up until John the Baptist, none has ever been greater. What did he say to them? He was talking to a people who have always regarded the greatest office that a human being can be in, not the office of a king, but the office of a prophet. These people that he was talking to all their lives, they've always regarded the office of a prophet as the greatest office because even the king needs a prophet. And that was the reason why they regarded David as the greatest king that they have ever had because he was both a king, a priest, and a prophet. Because I don't think anybody else prophesied about the coming of the Lord Jesus more than King David. David prophesied about the birth of Jesus. He prophesied about the ministry of Jesus, how he went about doing good, healing all manners of sicknesses. He prophesied about the things that would happen on the cross, what would happen to him, how they would divide his clothes, his, his garment, how they would cast a lot for it, how they would give him the poison, I mean, the, 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 uh, the, the vinegar to drink. He prophesied about every one of those things. He was a prophet, and that was why there was no king greater than him, because he occupied the greatest office. Saul was the tallest king and still nobody regarded him because he only prophesied temporarily but David prophesied always because he was a prophet not just a seer not just someone who receives the unction occasionally he was called to be in that office but Jesus is now saying I am about to show you how to be greater than a prophet I'm going to show you the man John he says of all the children all the people born of women none has ever been greater than john and you wonder why people say well it's because he was the one who came closest to the grace establishment by the crucifixion of the lord jesus and people say all kinds of things they say well because he was the last person to have come under the law and god was about to bring grace so that makes him the greatest where is that where is he written let me tell you something the reason why John was the greatest of all men is because up until then there was no man who accepted that his destiny was to serve another. The sole reason why John existed was to prepare the way for the Lord Jesus. Everybody else who existed before that time, even our father Abraham, he was blessed directly for himself. Abraham was prospered and he became many nations. Everybody else had blessings for themselves. But John the Baptist, he was in the wilderness. He had the skin of animals for his clothing. He wasn't wearing anything nice. He ate, he ate the sick. Can you please keep it down a little bit? I know you want to preach with me, but it's getting in the way of other people's attention. You see, John, the beloved, he ate the same thing every day. Wild locust and honey. He denied himself so that he can be what? Revelations chapter 3 verse 8 so that he can be an open door for the Lord Jesus to come through. If you choose to be the door to someone else's salvation, to the fulfillment of someone else's ministry, to someone else coming to know the Lord Jesus, if you choose to be that door, if you choose to live your life, your life to prepare the way for somebody else to come to the Lord, guess what? You have attained the greatest office of all. You don't have to have oil poured on you by the presbytery, by the order of the elders, to be anointed and to be given a title. You don't need none of that. What you need above all is the willingness to put others before you. 
I was sharing with Alan also earlier on. I said the moment the gift becomes the focus and not the love, we undermine the grace of God. Jesus says to the Pharisees, he says if you understand what it means that the Father desires mercy over judgment, you will not despise the guiltless. Many of us, we're always so concerned about what our gift can do. If your gift cannot serve somebody else and bring the one that is downtrodden and prevent an attack on another, then why do you have it in the first place? Why are you here? So let us make a renewed commitment that not on our watch will another wounded soldier die. Let us make a commitment that we're not going to let the presence and the camp of the Almighty God be infiltrated by the enemy because no longer is our focus going to be on ourselves but our focus will be on how to be the door to the grace of God. You see, because until you as a husband begin to see more into how you can be of service to your wife, you are not one with her. Until you as a father continually sees how your children can come to the admonition of the things of God by every gifting, by every capacity that the Lord has blessed you with, you are not truly a father. You are just a neighbor who lives in the same house. If you and I as brothers and sisters are not ready to die one for another, the Bible says greater love has no man than this than for a man to love, to die for his friends. If we're not ready to give it all for one another. Let me tell you something. No marriage works when you're thinking only about you all the time. But switch it around and begin to think about the other person. Begin to see how you can outlove them. In our house, we're very competitive, my wife and I. And what we try to do is we try to outgive one another. We try to outlove one another. We try to outserve one another. And that is the way to do it. Because then imagine what happens when I become the door to Ryan and Ryan becomes the door to me that means I am always open to hear him out I am always open to receive him regardless of what I see on him and then he becomes a door to me also allowing for me to access the grace of God that he has enjoyed then guess what the circle is never broken because when you have two portals open together like that of Dr. Strange guess what happens you just keep moving y'all know what I'm talking about they show us those things as though it is theirs whereas it is really ours this is how to access the open door this is how to access access Bethel the Holy Spirit said to me he said tell your brothers and sisters that to be the door means to be the gateway to praise in someone else's life is somebody praising God for you right now does somebody praise God for you every day when you be the door when you become the door you open the door of your house you open the door of your ears. You open the door of your heart. Guess what? Someone will praise God for you. I said we're going to close with that one, but Psalm 97 is bubbling in my spirit. So we're just going to read that. Oh yeah. Psalms 97. We're going to do, we're going to read about three verses out of Psalm 97. And I don't know where the Psalm in my Bible went to. Okay, it's still there. Psalms 97. Now listen to what he says. We're going to read verse 7 and then come back to verse 1. He says, let all be put to shame who serve carved images, who boast of idols. Worship him, all you gods. He says, let them be put to shame who serve the works of their own hands. Now look at verse 1. He says, the Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of the isles be glad clouds and darkness surround him righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne a fire goes before him and burns up all his enemies round about what does he say here he says a fire goes before him and burns his enemies all around 
What are his enemies made of? His enemies are made of wood. All we need is just to get the fire that is in his throne to come out and the work is done. The enemies that are plaguing your, your brothers and sisters, the enemies that are plaguing you, they are made of what? They are made of wood. So what we need is the fire from his presence. And how is that fire going to come when that heaven is so far above? The fire comes into other people's lives when you stand as the door and the gateway to the presence of God. Let me tell you something. Many of us, my wife was telling me about a situation that happened recently. It's not every problem that comes to you that needs prayers. Some of them just needs presence. Because sometimes people come to you and your heart is closed. You're not moved with compassion. But you say you want to pray for them. Nothing is going to happen. You see, my heart is closed. Like, I don't want none of your mess. This is what you're always doing. My heart is closed, but I want to pray for you. No, God doesn't answer such prayers. When you look at the ministry of Jesus, when he's about to minister, what is the first thing he does? He opens his heart. You will see several times the Bible says, and he was moved with compassion. What is compassion? I asked the Lord one day. I said, God, I want to see compassion. And the Lord showed me compassion. And I was like, that's it? He said, that's it? He says, whenever you open your heart, he says, the wind that comes from your heart is compassion. Compassion is a spirit. That wind that comes every time you open your heart to somebody, it's like when you have not brushed your teeth in the morning and you open your mouth, that's that smell that comes out, as tangible and as guaranteed as that is, I don't care who you are, as guaranteed as that is, that something is going to come out. That is how guaranteed it is that compassion will come out of your heart if you would just open it. And so when you open your heart to other people and compassion comes through, it is the wind that fans the flame of the presence of God that consumes the idols in the lives of other people. In fact, I wish I could have read two more verses. In fact, I will. Let's just read it quickly. Verse 9 of Psalms 97. We're going to read 9 to 11, which makes it 3. For, excuse my arithmetic. For the Lord are the most high above all the earth. What you're seeking is with God. And God is what? Most high. We always need a gateway. The Bible makes it very clear. Verse 10, he says, you who love the Lord, you hate evil. You preserve the soul of what? Of his saints. Your attention should be to preserve what? The soul of the saints. The Lord makes it very clear here that the ones that he considers the righteous are the ones who are focused on recognizing, first of all, that heaven is so high. Somebody needs to be the Bethel. Somebody needs to be the gateway. And I choose to be the gateway. So that I can preserve the soul of the saints. Let us skip over to verse 11. And it says, light is sown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. Let me tell you something. This is one thing that has changed my life forever. The remembrance of his holy name. Can I, can I share a little secret with you? In Psalms 112, the Bible says, as the Lord has established the righteous, he will establish his generations to come so that there will always be a remembrance of his name. Now, let me break that down to you. The Lord is saying, because he's the same God who already says in Ecclesiastes, through the ministry of Solomon, that there is no remembrance in the grave. When someone is dead, they're dead. There is no remembrance. He says, not even of the good nor of the evil. There is no remembrance in the grave period. So how can the righteous then be remembered? Because the Lord ensures that the image of the righteous is preserved in his children. And so when you see the children of the righteous, you remember the righteous. 
the Lord is saying the way some people will remember the name of God is when they see you he is the door when you become the door they remember him can people run to you can you save them but when you put on Christ they can run to you when you put up put on the express image of the Lord Jesus they can run to you simply because you are supposed to be that good Samaritan Jesus says there is no one that is good but my father in heaven but when you put on Christ you have his goodness you have his good nature I want to encourage you ladies and gentlemen a lot of what you are asking for the elevation that you're asking for the recognition that you're asking for the reward that you're waiting for is only going to come when you make a commitment to be the gateway that brings the fire of God's presence to consume the idols in the lives of other people to help them find the righteousness of God yet again so that when they encounter Chris they remember Christ and this is the will of God to you so today I want you to go home and do an assessment and just look at the people on your phone and ask yourself have I ever have I ever given this person the reason to praise God for me do I carry the image of God that brings the remembrance of what it means to serve a God whose name is love when people see you do they feel loved when Miko came here yesterday I heard that she broke down crying because she said she felt the love of God you see that is exactly what happens when you come into the presence of God where there are people who are committed to being of service to one another we will break bread right now but I have three things that I would want us to say as we break bread can we all rise together as I was sitting there or standing there while the worship was on it was brought to my attention that there's a need for me to ask and to invite up anyone who is saying my intention for coming here today might be one thing but now it's clear to me that the reason why God brought me here today is to give me a fresh start is to give me a new beginning so that from here onwards I can travel light without the weight of the past without the burdens of yesterday and you know that maybe that wasn't the reason why you came but as soon as you sat in here and as the service went on as the word came forth it has become apparent to you that God is saying it's time for a new beginning a beginning that makes it first about God about others and then about you because that is joy you make it about Jesus others and you let me tell you something folks that new beginning that God is offering you today will take you to the fulfillment of your destiny if you would embrace it if you will abide in that way if you will not turn to the left or to the right and I say that because let me let me give you a little background so that you appreciate what God is offering you today you see this man of God that we read about he came and spoke the word of God because he was coming from a place wherein he had been praising God and he found the presence of God and he wanted to be a blessing to announce that healing was coming to Israel he came to prophesy about the birth of Josiah and how all the people that had let God down will be will be destroyed and they'll be judged 
And while he was yet prophesying, the contender who was the current king, Jeroboam, he says, I don't believe your prophecy. I don't believe what you're saying. Damn you. And as soon as he said that, the Bible says the hand that he pointed withered in the moment. Do not point your accusing finger against the Lord's elect. He says, touch not my anointed and do my prophet no harm. No harm. Every finger that points against the anointed withers away. And when that hand withered away, Jeroboam said, okay, now I know you're a man of God. Okay, okay, just, just plead God for my sake so that this hand can at least come down. They said his hand withered such that he could not pull it back to himself. And then he prayed for the man of God. This same man of God that had met with God, that had been in the presence of God, that had a word from God, that had been a student of the word of God. Because the Bible says in that verse 1, just that verse 1 of, of, of 1 Kings chapter 13, that this person had been with God, knew the word of God. They said because his praises, as he was coming from Judah to Bethel, he came by what? By the word of God. Everything he did was by the word of God. How did we know? Later on, there was an older prophet that says, what happened to you? You have always obeyed the word of God. What happened to you? Why did you turn from that way? You see, this man of God, he was supposed to go in a straight line in accordance with the word of God. God said to him, once you complete your assignment, go this particular way and do not turn to the left or to the right. Don't even say hello to anybody. But guess what? By the time he com completed his assignment, he breached the contract. He allowed somebody else to sway him. Another prophet came to him I want you to go and study 1 Kings 13 when you get home so you can get the full story. The, the older prophet came to him and said to him, he says, oh, is that what God told you? Let me tell you something. The angel of the Lord has appeared to me and he said that you should come with me. Abandon the path that you're going. And the guy was like, well, if the angel of the Lord has spoken to you, you should come with me. And guess what happened? He died. He was slain by a lion and the lion could not even eat him because lions don't eat dead animals. So that means the guy was already dead the moment he disobeyed. He was a walking corpse. He was a walking corpse. And that was why the Bible says the lion killed him but sat there and couldn't eat him. Because lions don't eat dead things. He would have thought, man, this is fresh meat. You just killed it. But he was already dead before he got there because he walked in disobedience. There are several things that we can learn from that man. Because the older prophet said to him, the Bible says while the older prophet spoke in the name of God, he lied. Even though he said that it was the angel of the Lord who appeared to him, he was lying. And the Bible registered it, but he was set up to test these other men. Let me tell you something, what God says to you takes preeminence over what an angel can say to you. It was God who spoke to him. And this other person claims he had heard from an angel. Whatever anybody's telling you, if it's different from what God has told you, please stay with the word of God. But the reason why I bring up that man's story is because God is giving some people a new beginning today. And he doesn't want you to be like that man of God who turned away from that new beginning. Embrace that new beginning and stick with it. There is not that much time that we have left before we receive our reward. So once you come forth today to say, you know what? I am embracing this new beginning and I will be helped by God to remain in it. He says, I know that your strength is weak, but you did not abandon my name. You did not joke with my presence. And so all you need to do is just always run to him. Always go to his presence. Always magnify his name. And it will continue to be your strength to stay the course. So if that is you today, and you're saying, I am ready to begin afresh. This walk with the Lord. This kingdom assignment. 
this fulfillment of destiny this having a relationship with Jesus and all of what it means I am ready for that new beginning today I want to pray for you I want to lift up your arm and I want to present you before the Lord and so if that is you please come briskly forward and I would love to pray for you thank you for tuning in and we pray this podcast has blessed you today for more information about this church check out www.communion.house that's www.communion.house or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Communion House hungry for more life-giving content head over to Communion House on YouTube for a full catalogue live and on demand we're honoured to have your audience wherever you're tuning in from thank you and God bless you today